right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. Welcome to Two Guys Garage Podcast, a production of iHeartRadio and Britain Productions. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And Kevin, fired up, man. Gotta love the cat we got dropping some camshaft knowledge. Because there's a, dude, there is a myriad of different people that will tell you different things. And you always get different results when it comes to camshafts. Remember the day and the time when you just go to the bottom of the page and you go, I need that one. <laughs> <laughs> I want the big one. Yeah, just give Can me I get a bigger that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, cams are kind of like the whole, you know, basic programming of the engine, man. It's gonna determine how it's gonna behave, how it's gonna idle, where the torque curve's gonna be, how much power you're gonna make. You know, everything from how much vacuum in the manifold, you know, to how it's gonna, you know, operate your brake booster. Right? It's it's kinda like the one thing that you wanna shape your whole engine right your what intake you're going to match with it what exhaust are you going to what header length and you know, what runners sure. you're going to put on there all that i mean even down to the port size and the valve sizes because it's all like this sort of interconnected you know airflow dynamics that you've got to kind of manage and the cam is kind of like the drum major right there in the front leading the band you know yeah yeah for sure man it, and it's one of those things that has always been i don't know there's a certain amount of mystery that surrounds can shafts and you know uh and where do you time certain things where you you know you have exhaust valve open and close events you have you know intake valve open and close events you have you have these things that you kind of play you know you kind of play alchemist with you know you go if i have this number here maybe i can move it there and it gives me more power what if i you know closed it here ramped it up quicker and all this magic that happens via the camshaft really is so key and, cr and critical to your engine and how it performs you know there th remember back in the day i i think it was probably high school when i think we joked about this before where you know somebody would come up with you that d doesn't know how an engine is designed and they would come out and go hey man that thing got a three-quarter inch race cam in it <laughs> yeah yeah like, it does yeah yeah oh <laughs> I thought so, man. I thought so. <laughs> I, I knew that, bro. I knew it was a three-quarter-inch well, race cam. You're like, what are you even well, talking about? <laughs> well, what makes it so complicated is you can't just, you know, swap out a part. It's like it's a whole system, you know. It's kind of like, you know, when you're cooking a you know really complicated meal, you know, it's not about one ingredient, right? It's not like, oh man, I, I got the right amount of salt in here and it, it's just perfect. And you go, salt is it, man. I'm gonna salt the heck out of everything. It's like, no, 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 man. It's You got to have all the right pieces, you know, or something's going to be just too loud or too muted. 
And uh, yeah, especially when you got these dynamics going on, right? You got waves, you know, bouncing down the headers and back up into the chamber. You got them in the intake manifold. You know, when you open the, you know, the throttle body, when the valves are opening and closing, there's so much uh, noise. But if you can capture that noise, right? I think like, you know, it's like the, the beach, you know, you got waves crashing up on the shore. And, you know, if you were to just take a snapshot, you know, when the wave crashes, you know, it's going to be way up on the shoreline. You go, oh, the tide is here. But as soon as the wave's done, it's pulling back. You know, and if you took another snapshot, you're like, oh, the water level's down here. And and so you're trying to capture those waves, you know, in the engine, right? Closing that intake valve, capturing as much of that air and fuel as you can get, right? So you get the maximum performance. And then you got to use those same waves to get that crap out of there. You know, yeah, like, man. I'm done with you. Go, go, go. Get out the pipes. It's funny, man. It's crazy, too, because at the same time, you have to manage frequencies and, you know, how, you know, I, I got to see a, a inside of a, you know, a, a camshaft and a spring and a valve and everything work at, you know, 9,000 RPM. My buddy worked for a, a big NASCAR team and they were showing me videos of this engine. And, you know, there's so much reverberation that, that goes on in the spring and how it turns and, and what those frequencies are, the chaos they're creating in inside all of this valve train that's moving at rates of speed you couldn't imagine there's so much going on there's there's absolute chaos and metals doing things that metals shouldn't do and it's just <laughs> you know tempered steel is moving in ways it's it's not supposed to and all this stuff to milk and eke out just a little more power just a little more efficiency just a little more et and the guy that that we're talking to brian tooley with btr racing he is, man, he is the guru, man. I'm telling you, that guy, uh, his mobility scooter is like a camshaft with wheels, bro. It's, it's, it's just, he's one of these guys that just knows it, loves it, eats it, breathes it. He's got just a vast amount of knowledge to, to you know, kind of bring to the table. And, and it's just awesome we can have this guy on, man. If you don't know BTR Racing and some of these cam packages and things that he's, he is known for, man, just brace yourself. This guy's got more records than Michael Jackson's son. He's got, and they're all hits. He's got really big, big time numbers, big time ETs, world records, and we got him here on the Two Guys Garage podcast. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, Brian Tooley of BTR Racing joins Kevin Bird and myself. It's the Two Guys Garage podcast. We are back after the break. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B, and we are fired up. Brian Tooley from BTR Racing joins the podcast. Brian, you're a guru, bro. You're an absolute nutty. You're nutty with the cam science, man. Uh, how did it all start? Tell us a little bit about how you cut your teeth, what got you started, interested in it, and you know how you kind of came to be the man behind camshafts. Well, it's so funny to hear you guys talk about, you know, you used to go to the bottom of the the catalog, right? Because because we all used to say, well, were, were we going to buy the 272 cam, the 280 cam, or the 292? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 292, boy. <laughs> yep. We're all scared of the 292. We didn't have enough converter, right? So Yeah, <laughs> but you would find that out later. Right, right, right. It never stopped us from actually clicking the, well, we didn't click the button back then. We ordered it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, called Summit. Yeah. So, you know, what is it about, you know, camshafts and, you know, to explain a little bit of your background, because you really have re-engineered the way camshafts are looked at and viewed at, man, for making power. 
Well, you know, a lot of people know my background. You know, I started Tolan's Airflow professionally in 1993. You know, uh, it went in business sporting heads uh, by 2001. You know, bought a five-axis CNC by 2004. Sold that to Summit Racing. Of course, 2001, we also bought a chassis dyno. In the 90s, uh, I'm forgetting, I worked at Holly uh, there for a couple of years in the 90s. We had uh, two engine dynos. And um, and actually, uh, well, 93, 94, when I was at Holly, we actually started the Systemax package deal, you know, heads, uh, cam intake. And, um, you know, that was really the start. Um, but then, you know, I focused on heads for many years. I did a fair amount of cam shafts to go with cylinder heads. But what I found out was it seemed like you had two genres of people out there. You had cylinder head guys and camshaft guys. And you didn't have too many guys that knew a lot of both. And, and quite honestly, what happened in 2009, I wanted to build a naturally aspirated hydraulic roller cam pump gas LS engine that made 700 plus at the crank. And uh, it was pretty easy. Actually, you know, I'd use an LS7 block, put a four and a quarter stroke crank in it. So it's 454 cubic inches, you know, so it's pretty easy to make 700 with that big an engine. Yeah. And, um, but, uh, you know, made that with, uh, inch and seven, eight tethers and, uh, you know, first full on West Texas Dino made 702, uh, and Richard Holder, my buddy out there said, there's no way this thing's going to make 700. You can't make 700 with inch and seven, eight tethers. But, um, but anyway, 2009 was when I actually created a spreadsheet that I use to this day that very simply calculates open and close points and, and overlap. And I really started studying those events and looking at other people's stuff, of course, and, uh, you know, and then testing. It's all about the testing. And, you know, people talk about, um, well, I know this guy over there who, you know, forget those shelf cams, you know, this guy over here do your custom cam. And I just laugh because it's just like, man, do you know how many camshafts we have back-to-back -back tested on an engine dyno? Just LS3 camshafts. I bet we've tested 30 or 40 LS3 cams back-to-back back on an engine dyno. Yeah, and that's one thing that, um, you know, I've learned over the years is the engine don't lie. It'll tell you, you know? <laughs> like, there's a lot of theory you can go in with, and especially with all the, you know, as we talked about before the break, the wave dynamics that are happening, you know, you don't know which ones are crashing because they're coming in all different directions. You know, at the end of the day, right, you get on that flow bench, you get on that dyno, and it's going to tell you, right? Yeah. That's the that's the feedback mechanism. I mean, there are definitely some great tools. You know, I get to work around, let's say, on the engineering side. There's all kinds of analytical tools, uh, and they've gotten so amazing. You know, of course, they're crazy high level and expensive and fine tuned. But that engine is gonna tell you, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's just amazing that some guy that specs custom cams, who's never actually tested cams back to back on an engine dyno, thinks that he's going to better, you know, the stuff that you've got you know, months of research into, and it's just like, no, that's not going to happen. But it's pretty amazing because, you know, it's like, you know, we have competitors out there that we compete against in the marketplace. And, you know, of course, everybody's got their favorite. And I, but I tell customers, I said, you know, the people who are really benefiting in today's market are their customers because, you know, they're, they're, they're running 30 or 40 cams through their LS3 on their dyno. We're doing the same. The customer's the one benefiting. And as a customer, we appreciate that comp that competition. <laughs> you know, we appreciate those efforts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of people don't, you know, they think we're just over here picking lobes out of a catalog, man. They have no idea. I mean, we're we're now developing our own lobes in-house, you know, with our own software. And, uh, well, software we bought, of course, I should say. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's a that's a really high-level thing, develop your own, own lobes in-house. 
So these guys that are, are you know, these the other guys on the on the internet, so they're just like, oh, I've got a buddy. He expect you a custom cam that's better. You know, it's just like, no, he's not. Well, you know? e explain a little bit about how you use exhaust valve open events and exhaust valve close events and how you sort of use you know you've got your own kind of layout and what is so critical because you know duration is just a it's a derivative of 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 these particular numbers that you go off of a lot of people think naturally aspirated cams do yeah. one thing you know their their exhaust valve open event is going to be what you know if i think of last time i looked at you know somewhere around a 51 or a two or somewhere in there but you you start yeah you start way beyond that oh yeah yeah we uh well the first LS3 testing we did with West, uh, with Richard Holner at West Tech, uh, gosh, six, seven years ago now, you know, I, we, we did a bunch of different cams where we changed only exhaust lift or we changed only exhaust open point. You know, so we, we did uh, three cams. It was 240 exhaust duration, 244 and 248, but we changed exhaust center line with each step. So we were changing exhaust valve open from 56 to 60 and 64. So we weren't affecting an overlap. We were only testing exhaust valve open and, you know, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, you add that, that much exhaust valve open, you know, it, it might start making more power by 6,000 RPM. And after we did the test, I asked everybody, I'm like, okay, where's that crossover point going to be where this extra exhaust open starts making more power? And they all guess, you know, 5,500, 6,000. Yeah, 3,500 was the answer. Ooh. Which is much lower than what people think. Yeah, yeah. That's, you know? I mean, that's incredibly lower than what people would imagine, right? Perceptual. Right you know, in, in, in their mind. So what does that benefit the, the Boosa guys compared to an NA guy? Explain the difference there. Well, you know, boost, you have to define boost. Centripetal supercharged, positive <laughs> displacement, or, or turbo, right? Yeah, because, um, it, you know, once again, I, I love talking about supercharged camshafts, right? Because when we came out with positive displacement camshafts that were dramatically different from centrifugal supercharged camshafts, there was people that lost their minds because they're like, you know, before this, there was just supercharged camshafts. And it's like, yeah, that's totally wrong because a positive displacement supercharger always makes a ton of torque. They they lack in making top end horsepower. You know, so we spread that load separation out further, generally run less overlap, but, but way earlier exhaust valve open, way later intake valve close. And then you got the centrifugal supercharger that's just the opposite. It, it tends to make poor low end torque but because it yeah. always builds, it always builds boost, so it always it's makes good peak power, right? So yeah. you actually have to crush that cam to make torque, right? Which a lot of people don't realize that's what we do. But if you look at the durations, you see them, you know, and the low separation angles. Yeah, this goes back to right. It's it's matching. It's not picking a single component, right? You pick one component and you've missed the whole ball, right? You got to think about the entire recipe and how it's going to come together. Now you talk about, you know, force induction with you know, a positive displacement. So it's it's pushing air in. So it doesn't need the same kind of uh, overlap that you'd want in an NA. I mean, in, in simple terms, how would you kind of go from an NA overlap to a positive displacement like, you know, a Roots or, or whatnot? Yeah, and that's interesting because a positive displacement supercharger, if you run too much overlap, the thing's never going to make power. You're just going to push right through. Yeah, you're, you're going to blow all your uh, boost out, your, out the exhaust and, you're, you know, you're just kind of done. But on naturally aspirated cams, you know, most people understand as you add overlap, you generally start adding torque by about 3,500. A lot of people don't know that, but we've tested it back to back. 
right? So we know that. Well, a centrifugal supercharged cam, you can run overlap like it's an NA cam. Yeah, yeah, because you're not building that boost up until, right, 3,500, 4,000 or whatever, and you're really spiking it towards the five, six, and sevens. Yeah, and you have so much airflow available with centrifugal, typically, you know, at least today's, you know, everybody's got an F1 extra bigger on their streetcar anymore, it seems like. You know, so you, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, you have so much airflow available that you can run in a type overlap. Well, all right. So now you jump into a turbo setup because, uh, you know, at least the OEs and they can move their cams around and take an exhaust depending on if it's a dual overhead, but you can use uh, a certain amount of your intake boost to push through and get your turbo spooled up. So, you know, in some cases you can use it to, to, you know, fight lag. So, you know, how do you kind of split those hairs and how do you pick, you know, going from a, let's say a centrifugal blower to a turbo, because on the cold side, they're the same, but you've got this turbine to think about where you want to get it spooled up, right? So how do you, how do you kind of tweak that one? Uh, much, much more difficult, right? Because, you know, this is the, the thing I love. People are like, yeah, I got a 6.0 and I'm putting a 76 turbo on it. I'm like, okay, is it a 76.75 with a 75 turbine or is it a 76.96 or 76.99? Like, mm-hmm. you know, build it precision, you know, because there's about 600 horsepower difference in those turbos, you know, <laughs> right. and, and, and conversely, the cam is dramatically different, right? I mean, we've 1,500 horsepower with a precision 76 Um because that's what we're running the, uh, you know, the MCA Extreme Street class that we won the uh, last three championships with, you know, so, but, but really I tell everybody the same thing. I never want to do a guy's, if, if a guy's got a brand new combination that I've never done a camshaft for, uh, I don't want to do the first cam. I want to do his second cam, right? Because, you know, yeah. the second cam, it's just like, um, you know, okay, my, my turbine pressure is too high or my turbine pressure is not very high. You know, it's full slow, you know, it has good spool. Then you can tweak the cam from there. Hey man, we come back for the break, dude. Ask us this is obviously I'm sure it depends on what you're looking for, but where's that critical number? You know, as far as, you know, critical mass, meaning when somebody can go out and get a boosted Z06 and make it 600, 650, maybe add some, you know, I don't know, bolt-ons and wing it up or when somebody needs to come to Brian Tooley at BTR Racing and really change the game for camshafts. Like, is it 800? Is it 850? When we come back, tell us that number, okay? Back in just a minute. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie P. And we're joined with Brian Tooley for BTR Racing. The man to meet the legend. So, Brian, question for you. Obviously, it depends on, you know, kind of what you're looking for. Anybody's, you know, can go out and get a boosted Z06 and they're making 600 to 650 horsepower. What's the number? What's the magic horsepower number where somebody needs to lean on what you guys are manufacturing before they start running into trouble? Like, is it 1,000? Is it 800? Is it 700? When do people really need the Brian Tooley R&D that you're bringing to the table? Well, obviously, you know, um, you can make a good bit of power, you know, with a new Z06, you know, just pulleys and headers and meth and, you know, things like that. But at some point, you definitely want to change that camshaft. Um, but, you know, that that 1.7 liter blower, you know, that thing's fairly limited. I mean, you're going to get up in that 850 roll horsepower range. You know, stock, they probably, you know, they make less than 600. And, um, you know, you're, you're kind of done. But, but now the ZR1, 
with that 2650 bore, that, that thing is a game changer because, you know, you can go from, um, you know, 600 real horsepower to 1100 real horsepower. Yeah. And um, Well, I'm, I'm trying to get you to lean into some of these because I'm telling you, man, knowing what you bring to the table because I've run some of your camshafts, I've got them in some of my engines, and the, the, the horsepower increased, the efficiency that you bring to the equation with your camshafts, Man, is it is it crucial to how much better that that boosted application runs? How much bigger that number is you're making? Uh, people would be shocked. You know, the same turbo, same heads, just changing out the camshaft. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the guys that uh, you know swapping cams, they pick up 75, 100 real horsepower. You know, those guys are just tickled to death. You know, and um, you know, and that's what you can a lot of times gain. You know, with a better better cam. So if you're running a you know a stock stock motor you put a supercharger kit on it right and you're in the sixes uh maybe you, like you said you're pushing you're pushing pulley maybe you're running a little 85 right you're, you're walking it up at at what point are you just kind of tapped out because the cam is limited and and what do you do with the cam then it really depends on the you know the the combination right i mean the, the supercharger that you're dealing with and uh you know because it varies right mm -hmm. i mean you can make you know the you know the lt4 you know, you may not make much over 750 without a cam, you know, whereas ZR1, you probably make 900 without a cam. Wow. Okay. You know, so, it, you know, there's huge variances, but, um, you know, it's, it's, everything becomes a restriction at some point. And um, obviously, you know, the, if you do the cam before you do everything else, the cam's not going to shine. But then if you do everything and then the cam, you know, then cams really, uh, you know, they really shine because you get the maximum benefit. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Because <laughs> yeah. it's so true, man. They add so much more efficiency to the boosted application. It's crazy how the car brings on power, how it boosts, how it, you know, how, how long that ceiling gets stretched out. Like, you really are changing the dynamics, you know, of, of an engine when you start, you know, changing up all these events and, and what you're bringing to kind of to the equation. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the way, you know, like I love the positive displacement stuff at this point because, you know, you, you run, you know, zero to five degrees overlap. So you're talking about a cam that drives practically like stock. And then my ZR1 makes 1,100 of the tires. And whenever you tip into the throttle, man, you think you freaking open Satan's mouth. You know, it's just like, you know, <laughs> I mean, because it just goes from sounding stock and driving like stock to, you know, a car when they, you know, 3,700 pounds and 1,870s. Uh, you know, it's just, it is a animal on the street, you know, I mean, just brutal. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about, man. And it, it really is. It goes from docile to, you know, the Hulk and, and something that just is, is unreal in, in a drop of a hat at a couple hundred RPM. Yeah. It's got, you know, those exhausts that open, you know, so as soon as you tip in, the exhaust opens it, you know, just, uh, you know, it's, it's a wild experience. I'll, I'll say that for a street car, you know, it's yeah. just got stock components on it for the most part. <laughs> well, so when it comes to cam camshafts and valve train, right? Because uh, we'd like the valves to do certain things, but we're limited because of, you know, valve train dynamics, right? Like really talk about the springs and the, all the frequencies that are going up and down the spring. Uh, what are the, you know, biggest mistakes that people make when uh, picking out a cam or designing cams, 
uh, from, you know, from all of your knowledge and how all the pieces kind of fit together, where do people really go wrong? I mean, I know we all pick some big, uh, stupid cams probably when we were younger. <laughs> so I'm sure that's still out there. But I, I can tell you that the, the number one thing people do wrong right now with the Zella stuff, particularly the Gen 5, is um, they, they think that more area under the curve of the cam load, you know, faster ramp speeds is going to make more power. And then they think that more spring rate, therefore more open spring pressure, is going to be better. And both of those are way, way wrong. Um, on the Gen 3, Gen 4 stuff, you can run moderately fast ramp speed. Um, and then it, because it's all white valve train, you know, you can put a dual spring in there that's 400 pounds open. And that combination is happy to 7,500 RPM, right? But then the Gen 5, the rocker and the rocker mounting is not as durable as the Gen 3, Gen 4. It's not as stable. So you actually have to, and, you know, the rocker ratio goes from 17 to 1.8. So you actually have to slow that load down quite a bit. And in that particular application, as you increase open spring pressure, you decrease the dynamics on the spintron. Hmm. Okay. Wow. So that's decre- decreasing all the chaos going on that is kind of absorbed in that in that short little time. Well, what happens is as you increase spring, uh, at some point you're increasing deflection, and okay. anytime you know it def- when that rocker arm deflects, at some point it unloads, and when it unloads, it's it's uh, bringing a spring into the equation that you don't want in that equation. Right. Right. Yeah. This is where <laughs> this is where in engineering everything becomes a spring at some point, right? You load yeah. anything enough, and the rocker arm, the push rod—I mean, everything becomes a spring. And yeah, you got to control all those springs, and they're all doing their waves. And and so, what everybody thinks is when a when a you know power curve rolls off, and they say, "Oh, you know, the cam's floating, it's floating the valves," you know, and they a lot of a lot of times they equate that to something that's happening over the nose. Well, this LS stuff, there's almost no problem over the nose. Your problem is seeding the valve, right? If that valve Mm -hmm. is bouncing instead of seeding, you're not trapping air. And that's where the power loss comes from. Yeah, and explain some of those things that you. I remember talking to you on the radio about this. Explain some of the things that you've seen and noticed about that that valve hitting and bouncing versus actual seating. Right. Yeah. We uh, our stage two turbo cam. Um, you know, we put our dual spring installed at you know normal one seven eighty install height. We had ten thousands bounce. Well, that's unacceptable. And we shimmed it to um, within about seventy thousands of coal bind, and it had five thousands bounce which is the, our break point for acceptable. And then we've got this new spring that's capable of more lift. And uh, we actually shimmed it even more down, uh, down to 1720. And that spring was almost 200 on the seat, but it was still only 450 open. And that reduced it to 1000 bounce. Wow. So that's a dramatic, you know, decrease in bounce. You know, the, the open pressure only changed 50 pounds, but the seat pressure changed you know about the about the same amount you know so a lot of people focus on that open pressure but what you actually need is a spring that has less rate so you increase the seat pressure without needlessly increasing the open pressure yeah a lot of people maybe haven't wrapped their brain around you know what that cam is trying to do to the valve because you know obviously the spring holds the valve shut right on the seat right when you get it moving you can't just bang it moving right if you're banging on something to get it moving you're going to wear it out you're going to break you know you're going to break it's got no durability so you have you know these ramps on the cam right so you go 
you know, not an instantaneous open. It's got to be a ramp. So it's like you, you come in and you gently scoop the valve. And then as soon as you kind of got it moving, man, you just jam that sucker open as fast and hard as you can. But now on the, on the flip side, you're coming over the nose, right? You got to make sure, you know, you don't unseat it from the nose because you got all that, you know, momentum, right? So you've got to make sure it, it comes right over the nose and it's coming down the other side. And then when that valve starts to get close to that seat, you got to slow it down, right? You can't just let it smack close, right? It smacks close. Like he said, it's going to bounce and you're going to have, you know, super high seating velocities. That's going to pound the valve out. It's going to tulip. It's going to, you know, damage your seats. And it's not going to take long before that sucker is flying apart and you got pieces everywhere. So you have these limitations on how you can grab the valve, throw it, keep it from going too far, and then gently kind of seat it back down again so you got durability out of it. All the while you're trying to get this sucker open and shut so you can get all that you know airflow in and out. Yeah, all at 7,500 RPM, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Which is the crazy thing about it. You know, what you're explaining, it's true, but it takes place over such an ungodly quick period of time. You know, ten thousandths, hundred thousandths of a second. You know, it's got to, it's got to, like you said, Bird, gently lift it off and then get it open as fast as possible. Then, you know, close it almost completely and then it almost like puts a pillow on it. Ah, just a a soft (laughs) touch closed drawer. It's like (laughs) how you, you know, raise and lower your toilet seat, basically. (laughs) Yeah. So you don't wake anybody up, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I never thought about it in terms of a toilet seat going down. (laughs) But Brian, that's kind of what you're trying to kind of navigate through through the whole process. Yeah. You know, because really what we see on Spintron is, you know, the faster you try to open, you know, the valve, the more deflection you get. You know, we had these little 550 lift truck springs or truck cams that only have you know, they use a stock LS6 frame, 100 pounds on the seat, 300 pounds open. At 6,000 RPM, it has five degrees of deflection. That cam is losing five degrees at 6,000 RPM with a nothing spring on. You know, and, and the weird thing about deflection is when it, when it deflects on the opening side, you know, then it's unloading over the nose, trying to decelerate. And then it tends to deflect on the closing side, too. Yeah, think of a diving board like a rocker arm, you know? Yeah. You kind of bounce on the end of that sucker and it's going down. It's going to fling you back the opposite way, right? So when you load that rocker arm in one direction, it's going to flip back the other way. And you got to make sure all that stuff's timed just right. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of of things that, uh, a lot lot of mistakes being made out there. A big one I see, though, is a big, big open pressure. People think they need 500 plus pounds open pressure on a lot of these things. And uh, big mistake. All right, so to to surmise, man, we could pick your brain for hours on end because you're just a wealth of knowledge, man. You're a good good resource and all the internals and the chaos that, that goes on. Three things that people that you have seen over your you know your long tenured experience uh, that are the biggest mistakes as far as camshafts and and people picking them. Well, you know, gosh, um, three things. You know, like I said, a lot of people want to run too much lift because they assume more lift makes more power, which bottom of the page, boss, bottom of the page, yeah, which we, we, <laughs> and all the back-to-back testing we've done, 90% of the testing we've done on hydraulic or LS engines, the slow wrap speed lobe with less lift actually made more power. Yeah. Say that again. So, so people get it. Okay. So the cam that had the cam lobes that actually had less ramp speed and even less lift have made more power. 
because it's not so much about the duration that you get at the cam. It's the duration that's delivered to the valve. If you have yes. a bunch of valve train deflection, you're not delivering the duration to the valve that you think you exactly. are. Exactly. Cause that's baking in the reality, right? If you had infinitely stiff components that just followed the cam, I think it'd be a different story, right? But because everything is deflecting, you're loading it harder by trying to accelerate in the same time frame, right? The same duration, you're trying to get, you know, more lift. So it's like a stroker, right? A stroker engine's got a piston that's flying from bottom to center to top to center. You know, and RPM wise, it's got to travel a lot faster and, you know, decelerate faster for the same, you know, distance or same speed, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's an interesting one that you, you, you wouldn't get from, you know, just cam theory, right? You got to run this stuff and the engine's telling you, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm weak. I'm, I'm not stiff enough. Right. I got, I got some issues. This is as far as I can go. Right. The, the other big thing I see is I see people running the wrong spring for the application, you know, sometimes too little, uh, sometimes too much. And then, um, you know, probably last thing is, um, you know, people just um, assuming that because this guy, you know, is killer, uh, you know, he's a crew chief of the top fuel team. And and so therefore he's going to do me a better camshaft than some of these LS crew gurus. It's just like, no, he's not done the back-to-back testing. You know, 20 years ago, um, I feel like, you know, certainly in the LS stuff, 15 years ago, no one was Spintron testing this stuff hardly. No one was dyno testing it. You know, I mean, because, you know, the big companies, they could just throw out whatever and the masses bought it because they were, you know, the biggest game in town. But now the level of competition uh, in this market has got to the point that, you know, the guys who have really done the research and done the work, you're going to buy a far better cam from them, even if it's a shelf cam, than anything that anybody's going to custom grind. Well, I mean, that's what I really appreciate about, you know, kind of what you're doing, Brian, and, and my takeaway, right, from back in the day when we all picked a cam is I'd rather go to a guy that's going to pick me a combination, right? This is the motor I've got. This is the valve train I've got. This is the intake I've got. This is what I want to do with it. And you go to a guy like Brian, and he's going to he's gonna weigh out like, hey, hey, you know, let me steer you away from this because this is just going to cause you misery and heartache, right? This is really you know from the things you've told me this is the combination this is the setup that you want and i'm telling you man you get you get the years of experience a decade of experience that you've got it really helps right the customer at the end of the day get the most top-notch badass killer setup that's going to have some durability and kind of do you know what's expected from it all right yeah man hey and brian before we let you go i gotta ask you because knowing what you're capable of doing in the nitrous world for us nitrous guys who love running nitrous cams explain a little bit about you know what you're able to to give a lot of people out there because man i'm telling you there is not a better nitrous guy out there for camshafts man <laughs> you're you put them on point we've had some luck you know our uh, our guys you know the mccains that run that bowser car you know they've done real well they just uh won um you know lights out over the weekend in south georgia motorsports park um, yeah, you talk about EVO. I mean, you know, you just you just keep throwing EVO with the camshaft and, and and see where the engine, you know, starts slowing down. And I don't think we've found that point yet. Really? Well, yeah, I mean our, our nitrous cams are, 
you know, I mean, these are obviously large camshafts, large duration. The LSA is on like a 119. And people are like, oh, that's way too wide a LSA for a nitrous motor. And it's just like, okay, really? You should go back to back test that. Once again. Yeah, that's crazy to think about. Wow, man. So the exhaust valve open of it is what he's talking about, man. So you keep ripping on that, ripping on that to find, you know, right where it's it's about to lean over and you man, I'm telling you, you're making some big, big major nitrous you know, nitrous power out of your camshaft. So you're delaying EVO or shortening? Opening. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cause you gotta get it all out of there. Yeah, and it's real simple because you grind a cam, you know, let's say it's got, you know, two ninety six exhaust duration. And then you grind another cam with the same intake load, and you make it 300 exhaust duration, and then you move the exhaust centerline two, which moves the LSA one. So you got four degrees more exhaust valve open, but the same overlap. And then you grind another cam that's four degrees bigger, and another cam that's four degrees bigger. You know, and you just keep adding that exhaust duration and adding those four degree increments of exhaust valve open and see what it does. And that's the problem. You know, the thing that I see people spend way, way more time typing on the internet and running their mouth, then they actually do testing, right? <laughs> and I yeah. tell all of them, man, if you guys would actually spend more time testing and less time running your mouth, you would, you would be way smarter about this stuff. But they, uh, it's, you know, the testing is expensive, right? So yeah, <laughs> it's cheap to, it's cheap, it's cheap to type on Facebook. So yeah, talk is cheap because supply exceeds demand, bro. It's cheaper to just go to Brian. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, look, man, how do people see you, find out more about you socially? Where do you, you know, where do you, as far as your resources are at, where do you stockpile them? Uh, BTR Racing, Brian Tooley Racing. Give everybody the ins and outs on how to find out more about what you're doing. Yeah. So, uh, com, And then, uh, you know, the phone number's on the website. Um, and you can also, you know, Google us, uh, you know, search us on Facebook. You can find us there. Yeah, place. man. We love what you're doing, man. You got to keep it up, dude. When it comes to camshafts, you've definitely just engineered a much better package. Uh, you deliver power on all aspects, boosted, you know, for sure. Nitrous, NA, it's all there, man. You're killing it, dude. We appreciate it. Thanks, Willie. I appreciate you. Thanks, Brian, man. Yeah, awesome man. talking to you. Likewise. Yeah, man. Dude, that guy is so just on point when it comes to the cam game, man. So, yeah, definitely an honor. Just a cool guest to have on our podcast. And, man, when it comes to records, bro, he's grabbing all of them. His crew is like, you know, I don't care if you're doing manual stick shift, you know, driving a Corvette. He holds a world record for that, for LSs, for everything else, man. Just one lights out. Like, his camshafts are delivering championships. Well, it's all these nuances, and, and he seems to really get it, right? He's, he's taking notes. He's doing the testing. He's doing all the hard stuff, right? And, you know, when you do all of that, the picture becomes a little bit more clear. The voodoo kind of fades away, and you start to see the trends, right? And you kind of know what's going on. And, and uh, man, that's everything because you get into some new platform. You get into some new configuration. You're starting from scratch, man. If you can leverage somebody that knows what's going on, that's been there, that's done it, that's, that's a huge step in the right direction. Yeah, man. And he's always there helping out on the tech side of the game, too. He's got a great tech forum on his website, and you can always pick up the phone. And that guy is super easy to talk to. He's always out to race events. I'm always like, Brian, come on, man. <laughs> Drop some knowledge on us. He's great, man. It's just an awesome resource. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that, man. Hey, and don't forget about our TV show. It airs weekends on Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings. Episodes also now streaming on Motor Trend On Demand. Thanks to our guest, the one and only Brian Tooley. He is the man, Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Our producer is Scoop, and our executive producer is Bob Ecker. Yeah, guys, don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com, and share us. 
Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're everywhere at Two Guys Garage. Two Guys Garage Podcast is a copyright 2020 Brenton Productions Incorporated. All rights reserved. And man, that was a hot technical topic. Awesome. Got my blood pumping. Hope you guys enjoyed it. But uh, we're out of time. We'll have to catch you on the next Two Guys Garage Podcast. You guys take care, man. Talk soon. Two Guys Garage Podcast is a production of iHeartRadio and Britain Productions. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.